if we don't take action tonight, we really have to think about what message are we sending to um, the kids and the victims of discrimination that have come. It's late in the evening on August 3rd, 2020, and the Carroll School Board is more than four hours into a virtual meeting. It's that early stage of the pandemic when everything is on Zoom, which is why you're going to hear some buffering sounds and dogs barking in the background as school board members try to navigate the biggest controversy to hit the city of Southlake probably ever. And I'm just going to lay it out here because everyone is laying it out, right? That's Michelle Moore, the school board member who vowed to make changes after a video of students yelling the N-word went viral almost two years earlier. Now she's school board president. And tonight, tonight is supposed to be the night she delivers on her big promise. But things are not going as she'd hoped. I would have never imagined what has happened in this community the last few days over a plan that was really trying to create an environment that was safe and welcoming in our schools. Moore is talking about all the angry emails, phone calls, and text messages directed at board members and school officials that week after the district released a copy of its proposed Cultural Competence Action Plan, or CCAP for short. That's the 34-page document that Russell Maryland and Nikki Olaleye and more than 60 other volunteers spent 18 months working on as members of the District Diversity Council, or DDC. Their plan calls for a bunch of changes, including new diversity and inclusion lessons for students and staff, new hiring guidelines to bring in more diverse teachers, new rules to crack down on racist and anti-LGBTQ bullying, and a new director of diversity and inclusion to oversee the efforts across the district. The diversity plan also includes a word that's new to many residents in Southlake, microaggressions, a kind of catch-all term for more subtly racist statements and actions that might make a student of color feel uncomfortable, but are less obvious than, say, shouting the N-word. An example of one of those might be a white student telling an academically gifted Black classmate that she's, quote, the whitest Black girl I know. A real account from a Southlake student, by the way. Under the plan, the district will start tracking those types of incidents and holding kids accountable for repeat offenses. It's that last bit. The idea that students could be held accountable for something as hard to define as microaggressions. That's really got people angry. There have been voices in our community that are trying to derail the efforts of the DDC and I think, to a certain extent, skew what we're trying to do and how the process works. You can tell from her comments at this August 2020 board meeting, Moore believes the people attacking the CCAP represent a small minority in town, and that if most parents would just take the time to read the plan and understand it, they would see that the goal is simply to protect students. Um, You know, two years ago, when that video went viral, I was unaware to the extent of what was going on. But two years later, I can't say I'm unaware that we have a problem. And there is no excuse for us as a board, I believe, to, to not take action. Um, thank you for speaking from the heart, Michelle. That's board member Sherry Mills. She also served on the DDC and helped shape the plan. I would like to move that the board receive the co- I'm going to cry. The Cultural Competence Action Plan and authorize the superintendent to begin an implementation under the... Another member seconds Mill's motion to receive and implement the CCAP, but then three others unmute their microphones and ask to pump the brakes, raising arguments like, shouldn't we spend more time studying the plan before we vote on it? Not every board member got to serve on the Diversity Council, 
What about all the messages from concerned parents? And what exactly is a microaggression anyway? This is the most important, not just one of the important things, the most important thing that any one of us will ever work on. And I want to get it right. I I don't want to have division in our community and have people upset and yelling at each other. In the end, after nearly an hour of debate, Moore and others propose a middle ground. Why not just vote to receive the CCAP, but hold off on implementing it? Then schedule board workshops to keep refining it. Let the community weigh in and learn what it's all about. I honestly, so if it's a symbolic motion to say that we're receiving it, I would like to see us come together as a board and at least, you know, agree to that. But one board member is really pushing back against that idea. I mean, you stated the march of progress is slow but unyielding. So, you know, if if we move at a little slower pace than what you're advising, but in the effort to understand an effort to feel, you know, this should be a 7-0 vote is what this should be. This should be a unanimous vote. The board member's name is Matt Bryan. He's the same parent who asked Russell Maryland to join the Diversity Council and work on this very document. Now he doesn't want to be forced to vote on the plan, symbolic or not. Again, Michelle, I'm I'm a little lost on the value of uh, having a vote. It's not really an appropriate time to have a vote the process. He's cutting in and out, but he seems to be saying this is not an appropriate time to have a vote. But Moore and Mills aren't budging. So I think we owe it to the people who spent the past two years of their life to vote tonight. With that, Mills moves to vote on the compromise idea, to simply receive the diversity plan, rather than approve it and begin implementation. I will second. Hundreds of Southlake residents are logged onto the Zoom watching from their own homes as Moore begins the roll call. So place one, Michelle Moore, I vote yes. Place two. Um, I'm not prepared to vote yes yet. Um, I I don't understand what we're voting on, so I vote no. Place three. I'm Sherry Mills, yes. Place four. Matt Bryant, no. You can hear it in their voices and see it on their faces. Place five. All the board members realize this is a big moment. Place six. Um, I vote yes. But there's no way any of them realize just how significant this vote will be. Okay, so the motion passes five to two. Those five board members hope that by just receiving the diversity plan, rather than acting right away on its recommendations, they could lower the temperature of the debate in town. Instead, the opposite happened. Minority and queer students who'd shared painful stories felt betrayed that the board hadn't adopted the plan. As for the adults in the community who saw the CCAP as a threat to their kids, well, they weren't about to sit back while this school board tinkered around with the fine print. And now, those residents were building an army and preparing for war. From NBC News, I'm Mike Hixenbaugh. I'm Antonia Hilton. And this is Southlake. Chapter 3, The Not-So-Silent Majority. Not everyone realized it at the time, but that virtual school board meeting in August 2020 galvanized a movement in Southlake. Two years earlier, when the first N-word video came out, it had been Black parents who were the most vocal. You've got to change this curriculum. You've got to change the tone in this town. 
But the parents who weren't so sure about change? Well, most of them hadn't signed up to serve on the diversity committee or come to speak at any special board meetings. And now they wanted to have their say. Within days of the CCAP's release, a new group emerged in Southlake with the singular goal of killing the plan. It was called Southlake Families PAC, and it was led by a former county Republican chairman and other connected conservative activists. The group quickly launched a website with their own interpretations of what the diversity plan would do, painting it in more radical terms. The CCAP calls for age-appropriate diversity and inclusion lessons for students at every grade level. Southlake Families PAC said that meant the district would be forcing kids to comply with, quote, social justice training in order to graduate. The CCAP proposed creating volunteer diversity councils at each school made up of students and staff to help advise the district. The Southlake Families PAC website warned that amounted to creating a, quote, diversity police to be on patrol for unintentional microaggressions. The plan called for evaluating staff based on their commitment to diversity and rewarding students who demonstrate excellence in the area of diversity and inclusion. Southlake Families PAC said the plan would, quote, require students and teachers to take a cultural competence test that could be used to shame them. Those claims got lots of attention in town. Southlake Families PAC quickly gathered email addresses through an online petition and blasted out instructions on how concerned residents could make their voices heard. Most importantly, the PAC was saying people needed to show up at school board meetings and speak up during public comments. And that is exactly what they did. I would like to call to order the general meeting of the Board of Trustees <coughs> of Carol ISD on Monday, August 17th, 2020. It was two weeks after the vote to accept and continue working on the CCAP. And in Texas, things had started to open up. So for the first time since the start of the pandemic, the Carroll School Board was meeting in person. This was the first chance for residents to tell board members face-to-face what they thought about the diversity plan. The Carroll School Board room is large and windowless with rows of wooden seats, beige walls, and gray commercial-grade carpeting. Board members sit on a curved dais in high-backed leather chairs overlooking the audience. Before this space became the front line of Southlake's political revolt, public comments at these meetings usually took less than 10 minutes. Maybe two or three people would sign up to speak. But this time, nearly 40 residents signed up, with dozens more in attendance. Others were waiting in the hall outside and listening over speakers in an overflow room as Michelle Moore opened the floor for public comment. Please refrain from booing or being disrespectful to any speakers that may share a different point of view than your own. Also, of course, one by one, parents approached the lectern facing the dais, removed their masks, and used their allotted three minutes to unload. Basically, you want my child to believe that because he is white, everything has been handed to him. What's wrong with our culture now? What's this culture competence plan? I found about the day before the vote. And maybe we're just all asleep or something else is going on. Made me pretty suspicious. Wrong is wrong. Racism in reverse is racism. Shame. Teaching teachers to watch my color. How dare y'all. No teacher should ever look at my kid when they make a mistake and see the color of their skin or their dialect. They should look at that mistake and treat that kid with the respect. 
they deserve. Thank you very much. The speakers were fired up, way rowdier than at any Carol meeting before this. Parents had come to send a message that they didn't believe schools had any business teaching their children what counted as racism, that the district shouldn't be writing special rules into the student code of conduct that treat racist taunts or microaggressions differently than any other type of bullying, and that by focusing so much on race, the district was actually perpetuating the problem it claimed to be fighting. Is he tan enough for you? To illustrate the point, a dad named Chuck Taggart approached the lectern and held up a tablet showing a photo of his son. He's got brown hair. He's got brown eyes. He's got tan skin. I don't know if he's too tan or too white. Would surprise you by looking at me that this boy is, he's European. He's also African. He's also part Asian. What does that make him? Are we going to start wearing half yellow stars or quarter yellow stars around the school? Taggart said that earlier that week, he'd had to explain to his 8- and 11-year-old children why their friends' parents were pulling them out of Carroll and sending them to Liberty Christian, a nearby private school, and how this whole CCAP process started with a video of some high school kids two years earlier. The N-word? What's the N-word, Daddy? Well, I can't tell you what the word is because it's a bad word. Well, Daddy, we've never heard the N-word. What is the N-word? And it occurred to me these kids have never heard the N-word. Them and none of their friends. So you know where they're going to hear the N-word from? You. You guys. You guys are going to teach my kids what the N-word is. And a little later, a white woman named Kathy Del Calvo stepped forward and told the board that she was worried about the message the CCAP would send to her grandchildren. My grandchildren are all minorities. Yes, all 10 of them. They do not need to be treated special. They can stand on their own. We have taught them that their race or ethnicity means nothing. They need to put in the hard work to get whatever they strive for in life. Her husband, Leo Del Calvo, was born in Cuba. He approached the microphone wearing a green Carol Dragon T-shirt and a Trump face mask around his chin. Yes, like everybody here has said, we were asleep. Our fault. We're not asleep anymore. We are not asleep anymore. You're going to continue to hear from us. That line... We're not asleep anymore, came up a lot. A few CCAP opponents referred to themselves in social media posts and at school board meetings as Southlake's silent majority. Most of the people who identified as part of that camp, at least based on the people coming to talk at meetings, appeared to be white or Latino, but not all of them. Reginald Williams, a black recent graduate, wanted the board to know he actually had a great experience at Carroll. Personally, I was never discriminated against. I was never... I was never felt like, or I was never made feel like I was unwelcomed, not treated right or anything. But But now, he said, he was worried about the board's plans for educating his younger white cousins. Why would you make them learn that? Because I'm a different color than them. That means we aren't. We aren't equal. They don't love me the same. The CCAP doesn't say kids should learn that black and white children aren't equal. But Reginald's comment was getting at a concern repeated by speaker after speaker. Basically, that children should be taught not to see color. And that instruction that emphasizes racial differences can only deepen rather than heal divisions. A Vietnamese-American dad put it this way. We're all humans. I don't want to be labeled as black, white, yellow, gay, lesbian. I don't want to be labeled. My kids need to assimilate. Keep it a great place. Stand up. Do not cower to this. 
period. One of the final speakers of the night, after nearly two hours of public comments, was a Marine Corps veteran named Guy Midkiff. All right, Guy Midkiff, you're a dragon parent. Even though the only camera here was for the school district's live stream, Midkiff keyed his remarks directly to a national audience. First of all, I want to speak to America, actually. This is a cautionary tale, ladies and gentlemen. And America, you need to listen to what's going on here tonight. Midkiff is an airline pilot. When he's not flying, he hosts a conservative podcast from his dining room table. I represent many Southlake parents that are like-minded, that fear being here tonight because they're afraid that their children will be attacked by a local neo-Marxist group that goes about attacking our children and even grown-ups that dare come into buildings. Midkiff was talking about SARC, the Southlake Anti-Racism Coalition. The group of students and recent Carroll graduates had been staging protests for days outside the district's main offices, leading to an incendiary confrontation with Midkiff that one of the former students recorded. This board has divided this community from the beginning of the DDC process. The excuse used to divide us was video clips of teens made off campus some not even from our community. They parroted offensive language commonly found in popular music. And from this, we have a systemic race problem that needs immediate action. In closing, Midkiff mentioned a post he'd seen on social media, apparently showing a Southlake student or a recent graduate stomping on an American flag. We haven't been able to find the clip, but lots of Southlake parents were talking about it. And that's a reflection of our school system not teaching her American history and her parents. My buddy, Mike Milnes, in 1986, crashed a CH-46 helicopter. He's at 26,000 feet of water. She stands on his grave when she does that. You understand me? She stands on his grave. That's all I have to say. There at the end... Midkiff was getting at something important about how people in the silent majority crowd were thinking about the CCAP. This wasn't just about local school policy. Midkiff and the people he said he was speaking for appeared to see it as part of a bigger battle between people who love this country and those who think it's racist at its core. And the anger you heard in his voice, there was a lot of that going around last fall in Southlake. As Carroll students returned to in-person classes, conservatives in town were fully engaged and ready to do whatever it took to take back control of their schools. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey 
empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console consoling. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Over the past nine months, we've tried to reach dozens of Southlake residents and officials who've spoken against the diversity plan, including all of the speakers you heard at that August 2020 board meeting, at least 45 in total. But almost no one was willing to talk to us. When I approached parents outside a Carroll school board meeting, I got a lot of this. Hi, I'm Antonia with NBC. Hi. Would you be willing to do a short interview about your thoughts on the competency plan? Um, where is this gonna? This is for NBC News. Um, honestly, I don't really trust it. Those who did talk, for the most part, didn't want to be recorded. Not by us, at least. Several told us they didn't trust a pair of reporters from a mainstream media outlet to tell their story without painting them all as racists. At some point, I'm not sure when, Southlake Families Pack actually blocked me on Twitter, and nobody with the group has ever returned any of my messages. I did, however, manage to get a dad to talk about why he was so outraged by the CCAP. Okay, my name is Juan, J-U-A-N, Saldivar, Saldivar. That's S-A-L. Juan Saldivar is Mexican-American and a former army officer. He has a daughter in elementary school in Carroll. But you know the media in general has a, uh, an approval right around Congress, so I'm going to protect myself by having her I, film this. I can't stop you from filming it. Nothing against you guys. Despite his mistrust, Juan agreed to speak with me outside a Carroll school board meeting last winter, with someone filming to ensure his words weren't taken out of context. So the action plan, when you read it, you start to very quickly find out that the cultural competence definition is nowhere in the plan. And in those 34 pages, you find equity, 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 microaggression, never defined. Microaggression is defined as verbal, nonverbal, intentional, unintentional. Uh, in other words, it's in the mind of the beholder. And so I know that the opponents, if I give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, they want a plan because they, they have their life experiences. Uh, but I also have mine. I mean, I grew up as a child in the 70s and the 80s as a Mexican-American, and I was called all kinds of names, and I was in a lot of fights. And I will tell you that I was getting it from both sides. I was getting it from white children and black children. So does that mean that I'm supposed to assume that there's systemic racism in the black community? No, I reject that. So, I've spoken to several black families over the last couple of days. Many of them are considering leaving town over this. When you hear that, does that not make you think there might be something systemic going on? I think that every incident should be investigated to the fullest to find out exactly what's going on. But no one has any basis to make assumptions about what is in another person's heart. What kind of accountability do you want to see in the wake of racist incidents involving students at the school? So the first part is, well, I already know that the Student Code of Conduct calls for consequences for behaviors. 
It's not about being racist. That is a problem, but it's not systemic, right? When you say systemic, that means it's kind of in the air, it's structural. I reject that. If it was true that it was structural, I would not be where I am today. The bottom line for me is this. The school district, the school system, does not have the authority over my child to implement things that are beyond what the curriculum should call for. As a parent, that authority comes from me. Conservative parents like Juan were on a mission to reclaim that authority. And they were just getting started. On August 30th, two weeks after that first in-person board meeting, the leaders of South Lake Families Pack threw themselves an official coming out party. Things had been moving fast. Lee Wamsgans was one of the pack's organizers. She'd been a leader in the local Tea Party chapter and is married to former South Lake Mayor Andy Wamsgans. She would later refer to the time between the initial CCAP vote and the August 30th party as 27 days of building an army. At least, that's what she told the National Review, a flagship news site of the conservative movement. Again, nobody from South Lake families would speak with us. The gathering was held just outside South Lake at First Baptist Grapevine. More than 400 people crowded into the sanctuary, and according to Wamsgans, many more were turned away because of COVID capacity rules. The event was part organizational meeting, part pep rally. And the guy tapped to fire up the troops that night? Texas GOP chairman, Alan West. West is a black man, retired army officer, hardline conservative. He represented Southeast Florida for two years in Congress. But in 2014, he moved to Texas, where he eventually got involved in Republican leadership. In a recording of the event, he opens by talking about his own upbringing and what it says about what's possible for a black person in America. When you see me, what do you see? Do you see a victor or do you see a victim? This is a running theme throughout the speech, the choice we all have between being a victor or a victim. And right now with this fight in Southlake, West says the left is trying to lead students of color to make the wrong choice. And with a good quality education, you can achieve whatever heights that you want. But if we start to listen to the soft bigotry of low expectations of the left, if we start allowing them to have that platform that says you cannot achieve an American dream, all you can be is a victim. If we continue to allow them to shame my white brothers and sisters and believing that somehow you're racist, give me a doggone break. With only two months until the 2020 election, West explains that the fight over diversity in Southlake is actually part of a bigger left-wing plot. Democrats, he says, are trying to do in Texas what they've already done in Virginia and elsewhere, take a solidly conservative state and turn it blue. Their path for achieving this goal, it cuts right through the North Texas suburbs, and it starts right here at the local level. The most important elected position in the United States of America is school board. If you're not investing in making sure that your children are getting a quality education instead of an indoctrination, and the way that that continues on, if we don't get control of these school boards. The left is very strategic in what they are doing. This dangerous liberal shift, West says, is already well underway in Texas, thanks to newcomers. Because of the influx of people from California, Illinois, New York, and New Jersey that did not understand the lesson that 
God told Lot when he was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. It's worth pointing out, South Lake is one of those towns where pretty much everyone you meet came from someplace else, many of them from out of state. That's one of the main reasons it's gotten so much more diverse over the years. When you have these neighbors and friends of yours that are coming from these places, you need to go up to them, Tim, with a nice smile on your face, maybe bring them a pecan pie, look at them eyeball to eyeball, and say, welcome to Texas. Welcome to South Lake. Now, why are you here? <laughs> huh? If you are here to be a part of this great state, its history, its legacy, welcome on in. If you're here to be a part of the state that made the United States of America energy independent, welcome on in. If you're here to be a part of a state that understands what the Second Amendment is all about, because as long as you're armed, you're a citizen. If you are disarmed, you're a subject. You can be here in Texas. If you don't understand that, go back to where you came from. At that line, go back to where you came from, practically everyone in the room jumped to their feet and cheered. That day, the donations flooded in to Southlake Families Pack, according to a financial disclosure filed with the state. $2,000 from Dana Lash, a former NRA spokeswoman who lives in Southlake. $500 from Guy Midkiff. Another $200 from a prominent lawyer and dragon mother, Hannah Smith who would later run for school board herself. In total, according to the filings, Southlake Families Pack raised more than $35,000 that day alone. And the cash kept flowing afterward. Within days, the pack had more than $125,000 in the bank. The group had momentum. It had motivated wealthy supporters. And now, it had money to spend. So much money that when all was said and done, members of the Carroll School Board wouldn't know what hit them. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. Three days after that Alan West speech, Southlake Families Pack started putting that newly raised money to work. With the PAC's financial backing, a Southlake mother named Kristen Garcia filed a lawsuit against the Carroll School District, alleging that board members had violated the Texas Open Meetings Act before voting to receive the CCAP. Through a public records request, PAC supporters had gotten copies of all the school board members' text messages. And what they showed was, in the hours leading up to the August 3rd CCAP vote, Board President Michelle Moore had texted the same message to two different groups of board members, outlining her plans to address the controversy at the start of the board meeting and floating the idea of accepting rather than approving the plan. Only two board members were left off the text threads, the two who ended up voting against the plan. The lawsuit accuses Moore and the other four members on the text chains of forming what's called a walking quorum. That's when you get a majority of an elected body together in smaller groups to hash out plans before a vote. 
In doing so, Garcia's lawsuit says the school board illegally conducted important public business in secret, and therefore, the whole CCAP vote was illegitimate. Garcia, by the way, is the adult daughter of Leo and Kathy Del Calvo, two of the regulars at Carroll board meetings last fall. They'd become some of the most vocal opponents of the diversity plan and leaders at Southlake Families Pack. Garcia and her lawyers declined to talk to us. At one point, I approached her outside a Carroll school board meeting. Ms. Garcia, would you be open to talking to me no, about you. the lawsuit or no, the competency you. plan? The school district and board members filed a response to the lawsuit, denying any wrongdoing. And Carroll's interim superintendent issued a statement calling the suit, quote, an attempt to discredit and derail the district's diversity and inclusion efforts. But district officials clearly had gotten the message. Within days of the lawsuit, the board announced plans to add new community members to the Diversity Council to revise the CCAP under a new, slower timeline. But that didn't seem to persuade many people. Opponents learned that some aspects of the CCAP, like teacher diversity training, had already been implemented at Carroll, outside of the District Diversity Council process. And they found out that the district had made changes to the Student Code of Conduct after the 2018 N-Word video, including new rules explicitly banning racist slurs at the high school, and new protections for students bullied for their sexual orientation. So... Convinced that the district wasn't being transparent about its plans, angry parents kept showing up at school board meetings. Let's not take one set of children and punish them because their skin is supposedly white. You know what white is? White is the color of that screen behind you. I'm not white. But at one board meeting on September 14th, a few of the black parents who'd spent two years demanding changes came to let the members know they weren't happy either, but for the opposite reason. You don't like the word microaggression? Then let's call it what it is, abuse. My children have been abused for years. Russell Maryland, the ex-NFL lineman, walked up to the lectern waving a stack of papers at the board, a printout of student accounts of bullying collected by SARP, the student anti-racism group. In my hands, I have the pandemic here. The pandemic, hundreds of racists, bigoted, homophobic, sexist testimonies. That's the pandemic. Our mission in the DDC, which I was a part of for 20 months, 20 plus months, was not to make parents happy. It was to protect our kids from hatred, bigotry, discrimination, and the non-responsiveness that has gone along with it. We did this because, why? Because you asked us to, you asked us to. We need safety for students. Stop punting down the road. Y'all act like you're NFL kickers. You're punting this down the road. Don't pause. Let's go. Let's get after it. We need it. Stop BSing. Thank you. No applause. Robin Cornish came too. She wanted board members to know she hadn't forgotten the promises they made to change the culture at Carroll. She opened by invoking her husband's legacy, 12 years after Frank's death. 27 years, five children that were abused. Five. And a husband, a black man, who selflessly gave to this community for some of these people for it to be today, and his plaque was defaced with racial epithets. So I'm pained and I'm saddened and I'm angry. So with that said, 
I ask you to seek out a superintendent that is not only committed to academic excellence, but to cultural competency, and who can say black lives matter. They matter. Thank please you. No, please, no applause. Thank you. It wasn't just black parents speaking in favor of the diversity plan. Several white residents wanted the board to know they supported it too. One of them, a 20-year Southlake resident named Don Casey, had been a senior vice president at American Airlines, where he said the types of training programs outlined in the CCAP are standard for all employees. The diversity plan wasn't just about protecting minority kids, Casey said. It was about preparing all students to function in the real world. We think of ourselves as leaders in Southlake. We have aspiration for our children to be leaders. Diversity and inclusion is a fundamental part of future strategy of businesses today. So I encourage you, right, the train has left the station. Okay, please don't leave our students behind. Thank you. But what Casey was saying there about how diversity, equity, and inclusion programs have become standard across many aspects of American life, that's exactly what conservatives were now speaking out against. Last fall... Many were beginning to believe that, while they'd been focused on voting for Republican political leaders, unelected liberals had quietly taken control of America's institutions, spreading what many on the right were now seeing as a Marxist ideology for years, in the form of HR trainings centered on race, gender, and sexuality, at universities, in corporate America, in the military. And now, it seemed to many in Southlake that public school bureaucrats were trying to force the same stuff on their children. One local voice, more than any other, was working to reach the world with that message. A dragon dad who also happened to work at American Airlines. Hey folks, welcome to Wise Guy Talks. I am the wise guy, Guy Midkiff. Midkiff is the pilot you heard from earlier at the school board meeting. He hosts a podcast talk show with episode titles like White Men Don't Have Balls and We the Sheeple. The name of today's show is about a story that I recently published on critical race theory, and it's called A Trojan Horse Came to Town. So Note that phrase, critical race theory. It's an academic study of racism's pervasive impact on society, typically taught at the university level. Before 2021, it's not a term that came up very often at local school board meetings. But that was about to change. Midkiff and many other conservatives started to see that once obscure legal concept as something much, much darker. Something that should frighten parents everywhere. And Southlake, Midkiff said, was the warning shot. There's a simmering battle brewing here in Southlake, Texas. It is a classical battle between good and evil, light and darkness, truth and deceit, perception and reality. So goes Southlake, so goes the rest of America. So goes Southlake, so goes the rest of America. Surprising as it sounds, Guy Midkiff and his allies were about to get their wish. America was about to start paying attention. And the same brawl that broke out in this seemingly idyllic town was about to spread all over the country. That's next time on Southlake. From NBC News, this is the third of six episodes of Southlake, a series about belonging and backlash in an American suburb. If you like what you've heard, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening right now. Southlake was written, reported, and hosted by me, Mike Hixenbaugh. And by me, Antonia Hilton. The series is produced by Franny Kelly. Our story editors are Julie Shapiro and Michelle Garcia. Production help and fact-checking by Rachel Young. Sound design by Seth Samuel. Original music by Ali Shahid Muhammad. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Reed Sherlin is our executive producer. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. 